a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as we talk about all of these different transitions going on and balance of power, uh, to me, it always comes down to a, a balance of leadership and who actually will lead. And you don't always have to have the title to be the leader. In fact, in many instances in our nation's history, it's uh, those without titles. Uh, without positions of power that often lead the nation. Uh, and that's a really important lesson for all of us. And so as I was reflecting on that today, looking at some of those things uh, that are transpiring in Washington, D.C., what's happening here at home, uh, there there is a need for leadership. Uh, we are in a very turbulent time, and uh, those times do require some people to step up. And again, not just the people with the titles. Uh, the people with the titles we should expect more of, not less, and they should create more clarity than confusion when dealing with anything, whether that's a policy issue or whether that's a pandemic or whether that's an election. Uh, we need to have clarity, certainty, so that we can continue to have confidence uh, in our institutions uh, because those are the things that give a framework for us to be able to do all of the things that make uh, this country most extraordinary. Uh, if you missed, there's a great piece uh, today by Jennifer Graham, uh, Deseret.com. Uh, talking about American exceptionalism and uh, the fact that a lot of Americans just don't believe in that anymore, that uh, that we really aren't that special. Uh, I, I have a, an interesting take on that in that I think that we are exceptional, not because of our might, our military might, not because of our ability to produce goods and services and ship them around the world, uh, not because of where we're located geographically, Um but that we were a nation formed on an idea, on a, on a set of principles. And that's what allows us to do things like we go into countries not to conquer them, but to liberate them. Uh, that we can, we can help in a, in a world war, then we can help rebuild after it's over. And that it's not about occupying, but it's about liberating. Uh, that our principles allow everybody to rise. Uh, and so to me, that's the exceptional part of it. Uh, and so I want to get into this leadership a little bit. As I, th I was thinking about that, I was reflecting back on a conversation I had with historian Doris Kearns Goodwin, uh, probably best known for her work on uh, Team of Rivals, uh, talking about Abraham Lincoln, uh, extraordinary book there in terms of how he pulled all of these people into his administration, that uh, many of which were, were fierce rivals uh, and adversaries. Uh, but I started my conversation with Doris uh, talking about what do we do about democracy in in really turbulent times? And obviously things have become even more topsy-turvy uh, since I had this conversation, uh, but the principle remains the same. You know, I think one of the most important things to remember from history to make us feel 
calmer and get a sense of perspective on the turbulent times we're living in right now is that America has been through far more difficult times before. I mean, just imagine what it was like for Abraham Lincoln coming into office when the country is split in two, and he wasn't even sure he could live through those first months in office. Or think of Franklin Roosevelt coming in when the Great Depression was at its height, or the early days of World War II when it was unclear that we could ever match the military might of the Nazis. And yet somehow this democracy and the people pulled together and I think if we remember that now, it will make people feel that we'll get through these turbulent times right now as we have before. That's what history does. It yeah. gives you perspective and solace. Uh, I love that uh, perspective of history. And, and she talked about the need for, for leaders to lead. Uh, and that even in very uncertain times, most of our greatest moments as a country have come not when victory was certain, but when victory was anything but certain. Uh, but we had people who had character, who were committed to principle, uh, and who had ambition. Ambition is part of this equation, but it's what you do with that ambition. And then what that ambition ultimately becomes for you uh, is is the really interesting take. Listen to this. Ambition, which is the drive for success, is essential for anybody, I think, to accomplish anything. It just means simply that perseverance, that will, that desire. And they all had it. But the big difference is from the start, Lincoln's ambition was to make a difference in people's lives. I mean, he said that even at 23 when he ran for the state legislature the first time. For both Teddy and Franklin, they came from a privileged background. I think their ambition at the beginning was, this will be fun to get into politics. Why not? And then they both had life experiences that made them more propelled toward an ambition toward a greater good rather than just toward themselves. There's a moment in great people's lives, I think, where that ambition for self becomes an ambition for something larger than that. When that ambition for self becomes an ambition for something larger than self, uh, that is a uh, a great line and a great lesson, I think, in in leadership today. Uh, another interesting thing that uh, that Doris Kearns Goodwin pointed out to me was just this connection that really great leaders have this ability to connect to the past, to learn the lessons from history, uh, and to draw on those in really crucial times. It used to be, I think, that people who were the leaders felt connected to the ones in the past. I mean, Lyndon Johnson's hero was FDR. FDR's hero was Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy's hero was Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln's was George Washington. But more importantly, I think, people were reading history. They were proud of their country. I mean, there was a time when Lincoln gave a talk when he was a young man where he urged that it was a very turbulent time and the rule of law was being violated. And he said, we have to remember the ideals of the revolution. That generation is passing. So mothers should be reading to their children the revolution and its ideals. And you did have a feeling, I mean, even for me, as, as, as old as I am now, civics was a huge part of what we learned when we were in school. And you'd sing the songs and you'd learn the, the government and and it was a part of the importance. And you sometimes you see in high schools, they're cutting American history down to one year rather than two, you know, or maybe half a year here. And I think it's so important in this country to understand our own ideals, the fact that we were the only country founded on an ideal, and we may not reach those ideals. And, and we can look critically at why we're not there, but you have to also applaud where we've come and where we started. Yeah. So important that we make those connections to the past. Uh, and I love that uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin talked about the fact that, yes, we have these ideals and we need to be studying the lessons about when we've done well and lived up to those ideals and those moments when we have been less than, that we have not risen up to what we profess to believe, the principles that we think are most important or declare that are most important. 
uh, and so many of our leaders, uh, we, we need to look at that more, uh, not less. Finally, we, uh, we talked about uh, how we actually need to reconnect with people, not just parties, not partisan stuff, but with people. People's identity with their party has become so intense. And parties are, are a good thing. We need them in our country. But it's what Washington was worried about. It's what people have worried about because they can become factions. And I think people looking back will see it's it's not just now. It's been building up for these last decades. And there was something, I think, about the fact that in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, even the 80s, the majority of senators and congressmen had been in either World War II or the Korean War, which meant they'd had a common purpose that went beyond their their own divisions. And somehow we just need to instill that sense. I have a big belief in national service. I, I think it's a great thing to just get outside of where you live and see the way other people live because right now we're just in our silos. Everyone's in a bubble. And I think when people look back to this, they'll see that bubble and hopefully they'll see that we figured out ways to soften it. Uh, ha- having that common commitment and that common purpose Uh, I think is the one thing the nation needs more than anything else. And that's going to require leaders at every level to step up and to call the American people to something, uh, to challenge them to to tap into the better angels of our nature uh, and rally around some principles, not political parties, some principles uh, that will help drive us forward as a nation. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, our good friend Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah will join us. We'll get the lessons learned from the 2020 election. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.